the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Progressive liberal Democrats have recently lost primaries to even more radical candidates. And former U.S. Senator Jim Talent says that could drive party leaders to embrace a radical agenda. They're frightened now of getting beat in the same way in a primary, and it may drive them to do things like court packing that typically they would not do. That's one of the reasons I think this is a dangerous moment. Talent was interviewed by the Salem Radio Network. Meanwhile, President Trump yesterday bypassed recalcitrant uh, Democratic lawmakers and introduced executive orders to suspend some payroll taxes as well as replace an expired unemployment benefit with a $400 a week extra bonus. The president is casting his actions as necessary, given the fact that lawmakers have not been able to reach agreement to get more money into the economy. This is SRN News. Dan Proft sees the teachers running the schools. The evidence on in-classroom instruction based on the an assessment of the trade-offs is so overwhelmingly in favor of in-person classroom that no rational person could be opposed to it. And yet in big cities, the teachers' union bosses and the politicians they control continue their protestations. The Dan Proft Show, weeknights at 11 on AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. The numbers are in from our Here to Help campaign, and between our local business partners and listeners like you, we've raised over $37,000 for the Salvation Army. So on behalf of AM 1280, The Patriot, Salem Media Group, Twin Cities, and the Salvation Army, we just want to say thank you so much for your contributions. Just past 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon here in the Twin Cities. Take a look at your forecast from the Homestead Road Weather Center. Thunderstorms likely high of 84. We got Brad Carlson, Northern Alliance Radio Network, starting right now. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer, go flight! We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is the closer, Brad Carlson. I it is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast we'd like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. If you'd like to weigh in via Twitter, feel free to do so. Just use hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Hashtag NarnShow. For any comments or questions, and as always, we appreciate you tuning in on this. Uh, I don't know what it's like down there in, uh, at the Patriot Bunker, Jason, but up here uh, in uh, the northwest burbs, <laughs> outer ring burbs, uh, we're getting a pretty good downpour. Oh, really? Up here. Well, yeah. as you know, Brad, I am downstairs in the Patriot Bunker, where I believe it's a nice, cool, and calm 60, like 8, 67 degrees. So it's really nice where I'm at right now, but I mean, I haven't been upstairs in like an hour, so I have no idea what the weather's like right now. No, that's fair. That's fair. You know, ensconced, working down in the bunker, we appreciate it. So uh, a lot to get to this uh, first hour. Um, got a, a couple of big local stories that uh, came through last uh, this past week. That I definitely want to get to. It is primary day this Tuesday. Uh, I don't know if we're going to hear results of some of these key primary races that are going to be taking place, obviously, with the COVID pandemic and the restrictions in a lot of states on mail-in ballots kind of uh, expanded. have no idea how it's going to work. I I don't know if we'll know results. Where I live, uh, up in Ramsey, uh, the only uh, races on our ballot are actually uh, both federal races you have uh, congressional district six primary and then the u.s senate primary 
So, uh, yeah, there's really nothing critical for for us. I'm still going to cast my vote. I am a traditionalist. I, I, it's not in my nature to miss an opportunity to vote. So I'm going to vote. But one big race that everybody is going to keep be keeping an eye upon, not only in the state of Minnesota, I dare say all over the country, maybe even some parts of the world, is perhaps the bluest congressional district in Minnesota. That would be the 5th Congressional District, which is currently represented by Ilhan Omar. She was first elected in 2018. And uh, I. it's funny, looking back the first few months of 2019 when that congressional session started, I think I, I, think I had one segment for several consecutive weeks in early 2019 that was entitled Ilhan Omar's Bad Week. She had some bad moments as a member of Congress, that is for sure. Even some people in her own party calling her out on her, what they feel is virulent anti-Semitism. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. But a lot of people uh, in my Facebook feed, a lot of politicos, very surprised at the Minneapolis Star-Tribune's 5th District endorsement endorsing Ilhan Omar's primary opponent, DFL primary opponent, uh, coming up this Tuesday. Now, I think there's a, about a total of four or five DFLers running. But let's face it, it comes down to two. It's obviously incumbent Congresswoman Omar and an outsider by the name of Anton Milton Mukes, who the Star Tribune has endorsed. Uh, the DFL, and again, this is from the edit, Star Tribune editorial page, the DFL primary contest between first-term Representative Ilhan Omar and Anton Melton Mukes for Minnesota's 5th Congressional District has become one of the fiercest in the country. After careful consideration and interviews with both, the Star Tribune editorial board recommends Melton Mukes, a first-time candidate with strong progressive values that align well with the district, as well as consensus building skills honed as a professional mediator. Now, this is something I've uh, talked about before in previous shows is Anton Melton Mukes is a perfect candidate for this district in terms of ideology, in terms of going to Washington and representing the district in what the majority of the district holds near and dear, which is far left progressive ideology. And typically what Minnesotans don't like are those who just go for these big headlines and kind of leave behind the 5th Congressional District, and become this proverbial rock star. I mean, let's face it, Ilhan Omar has become a, a, a progressive darling to a lot of the far leftists because she is in a safe district, D plus 22, and she can say some of the most outlandish things that no one else would dare say for fear of maybe losing their re-election battles, but in their heart of hearts probably feel because she is free to say whatever she wants particularly about President Trump, and that's fine. But is that building coalitions in order to achieve this grand agenda? Because a lot of the things she has had to say, particularly implying that she'd love to uh, dismantle capitalism and cancel student loan debt and this Green New Deal, which is unsustainable, uh, it's just just not going to fly. You're not going to build coalitions with these crazy ideas and then compound it with a lot of the distractions and rhetoric from her administration, from her uh, from her current term, as it were, uh, it's it's not boding well. And I'll continue to read from this uh, piece from the Star Tribune editorial board. Omar's 2018 victory launched her into the national spotlight as the first Muslim woman and first refugee elected to Congress. But her time has been marred by missteps, including remarks on Israel right, widely regarded as anti-Semitic, an outsized number of missed votes, and campaign finance issues. Interestingly, the DFL party has chosen to make an issue of Melton Mukes' finances, filing a late complaint that his campaign used shadow companies for his bid, a step the campaign told supporters was necessary because the Democrat Party blacklists companies that work for the challenger to an incumbent. That gave Lee Hayes, a spokesman for Melton Mukes' campaign, a chance to note that Omar has sent more than $1.6 million to her husband's D.C. political consulting firm, E Street Group, not to be confused with E Street Band. Rimshot. And is herself the target of a Federal Election Commission complaint 
regarding travel expenses. It is these kinds of ethical distractions that the 5th District could do without. In the editorial board interview, Omar took little responsibility for her rocky start, instead largely blaming her critics and saying her failing was perhaps in not realizing what a quote-unquote special unicorn she would be in Congress. Yeah, and, and just to kind of bounce off that a little bit, I talked about Keith Ellison. He was first elected in 2006. He won by a significant margin in 2006, first time he was ever elected to Congress, and then never won re-election by less than 35 points. And like I say, being a D plus 22 district, he didn't have to do a whole lot. He didn't have to send out a bunch of mailers. He didn't have to fundraise. You know, he pretty much had everything in place that he needed. But Keith Ellison still went home to his district. He still had contact with constituents. He still went and door knocked. Keith Ellison went and knocked on doors, okay? In a district, again, can't emphasize enough, D plus 22 and one that he never won re-election by less than 35 points. Yet he still went home and worked the district. Now, there's nothing about Keith Ellison I have ever agreed with from a political standpoint. But the point is that not until later in his term or in his congressional uh, tenure when he was thinking of running for, or he did run for the Democrat Party uh, National Committee chair, but there was never a time where he sought the national spotlight. Now, he, it unwittingly happened because of past affiliations with uh, another virulent anti-Semite, uh, Louis Farrakhan. His questionable relationships there, as well as with the, uh, with the Muslim Brotherhood. Okay, but because he kept his head down, kept quiet about it, didn't, didn't, and kind of stayed above that particular fray, it, he, was kind of the, he kind of bounced off him. But Ilhan Omar, she can't help herself. This has been a bright spotlight, and she's gravitated toward it. And, I, and, I, and I've said this before. This, something similar happened in the congressional district where I live, Congressional District 6. Michelle Bachman could have been reelected for as long as she wanted to. She was far le- a far-right conservative. This is the most conservative uh, district in the state of... Uh, Minnesota, this and Congressional District 7, both uh, the reddest districts, congressional districts in this state. But the problem was Michelle Bachman ended up wearing out her welcome because she just kept saying things that brought negative attention to her and, as a consequence, negative attention to those in Congressional District 6. And as a result, in 2012, people tired of it. They thought Jim Graves... Jim Graves, who opposed her in 2012, DFLer, he's like, well, you know what? He's a businessman. Uh, he's not that far radical left. Okay, he's tolerable. Anything's better than Michelle Bachman because she's wore out her welcome here. And Michelle Bachman won in 2012, I think, by one percentage point, maybe less than a percent, 1%. It was a very, very close race. And that's when she said, okay, um, I'm out. Okay, I've clearly worn out my welcome. This was a district, again, the reddest congressional district, and Michelle Bachman had to raise millions of dollars just to be reelected. Okay, you should not have to work that hard in this district if you are a far-right conservative like Michelle Bachman was. But again, because she brought negative attention upon herself, she wore out her welcome. Now, there's no chance Ilhan Omar is going to lose in a general election in CD5, okay? Again, I'd love to be proven wrong, and Lacey Johnson, from everything I've seen, Republican candidate in CD5, terrific candidate, and would be orders of magnitude better representing CD5 than Ilhan Omar in terms of you know, bringing a fresh perspective, one that CD5 hasn't seen because they continue to vote in far-left uh, progressives, and I don't see that the district has improved that greatly, to be perfectly honest. So Lacey Johnson would be a uh, great congressman, but he's got no shot because essentially the DFL primary is like the general election. And what we've seen here is Ilhan Omar may have worn out a welcome. Now, I'm still skeptical that she's going to lose. I think she's probably she's going to end up winning. It's going to be too close for comfort, but she is going to end up winning. And then, of course, she'll win handily in the general and the squad will remain intact because uh, Rashida Tlaib won her uh, primary battle out of Michigan uh, last week, she, along with Tide Padavita, Andrea Oca- and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and Ayanna Presley, the four of them comprised the progressive squad, which, you know, sorry, I'm staring at the top of my brain because my eyes are rolling back so far in my head. But the point is that 
Keith Ellison, who was Ilhan Omar's predecessor in CD5, um, came up with kind of a rather odd defense of Ilhan Omar. And and again, I'll read his quote. This is from a uh, virtual, let's see, yeah, virtual day of action for Omar's reelection campaign that took place last week. He says, let me just say this about uh, uh, Ilhan Omar's opponent. Uh, I have nothing bad to say about him because I don't know him. Never met him. I would think that after being in Congress for 12 years, serving in the state legislature for four, and being in, a, in the Attorney General's office for a year and a half, that I would have met the guy. Who are these people who we never met making it to their 40s, you know, age 40 and above, and decide that their first foray into public service is to be your congressperson? This is absurd. And this just shows you what a, not only a silly defense, but it's just utterly vacuous and just shows a lack of awareness and is completely tone deaf. So real quick history lesson for A.G. Ellison here, because I'm sure he's tuning in, right? Uh, Tim Walz, governor of the state of Minnesota. But you know what his first foray into public service was? Being elected to Congress out of, Miss, out of uh, Minnesota's first congressional district in 2006 at age 42. DFLer Angie Craig's first foray into public service, being elected to Congress out of Minnesota's second congressional district in 2018 at age 46. And DFLer Dean Phillips, his first foray into public service, being elected to, you guessed it, Congress out of Minnesota's third congressional district, again, this past election cycle, 2018, at age 49. So this seems to be kind of a silly standard that Ellison is applying to CD5, but to be fair, he's little more than a vacuous hack. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. Genesis 950 with water breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. It can even be used in a carpet cleaning machine. And it's green, so it's safe for your family and pets. Before you purchase new carpets, you must try Genesis 950. It's made in America. One gallon of industrial-strength Genesis 950 makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950 is not just for pets stains. It's a disinfectant that kills viruses. It can be used on surfaces and floors by mixing one-third Genesis 950 with two-thirds water. Apply to surface and clean with fresh water. It's great for floors, bathrooms, kitchens, garages, grease stains, wheels, tires, decreasing engines, and upholstery. It's available on Amazon. However, if you order a gallon direct at Genesis950.com, you'll receive a free spray bottle and discount using code SALEM. That's Genesis950.com. Genesis950.com. Code SALEM. It's time to stand with Israel. Sebastian Gorka here, inviting you to register for a life-changing trip to Israel, December 2nd to 11th. Join me, my friend Mike Lindell, and hundreds of patriots on the Stand with Israel tour, a journey to the Holy Land to get first-hand insights into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. Register today at sebgorka.com. On the Stand with Israel tour, history, culture, and faith will converge right before your eyes in a truly remarkable country. I'll take you behind the scenes to explore over 40 iconic sites during an all-inclusive 10-day tour this December. We'll pray at the ancient Western Wall, sail the picturesque Sea of Galilee, float on the Dead Sea, explore modern Tel Aviv, and much more. Best of all, we'll be together with like-minded supporters of the nation of Israel. Reserve your spot today and travel with me on the Stand with Israel tour. Visit sebgorka.com and click on the Israel banner. That's sebgorka.com, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A.com. For more than 20 years, investigative filmmaker Tim Mahoney has traveled the globe for evidence of some of the Old Testament's most miraculous events. Now, with the Red Sea Miracle Part 2, journey to Egypt and beyond as Tim interviews the world's foremost experts to discover the truth. The results are faith-affirming and fascinating. 
you must see Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea Miracle Part 2. To see this powerful documentary and others in the series, go to SalemNow.com and use the promo code MINNEAPOLIS for 20% off. From your first sunrise to the sunset of life, we are with you through life's journey. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Visit SocialSecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. If you got what it takes, because I'm Curtis Blow, and I want you to know that these are the boys. Welcome back in 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks for tuning in. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. For any comments or questions, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Another big local story that came across this past week, the body cam footage of the George Floyd arrest. Of course, you remember that took place in South Minneapolis that resulted in George Floyd's death this past Memorial Day. Well, the body cam footage was leaked by the Daily Mail. Now, apparently, the few media outlets were allowed to gather in private and view a laptop with the body cam footage of one of the officers playing. And the Daily Mail apparently just took out a cell phone. Someone from the Daily Mail took out a cell phone and uh, video recorded the laptop playing this video footage, and it ended up leaking. And it shows from the very beginning where the officers responded to a complaint at Cup Foods on 38th and Chicago, where... Uh, a customer, which turned out to be George Floyd, allegedly passed a counterfeit bill. And they wanted to talk to the customer about it. Now, George Floyd and I think it was two other people were uh, sitting in this, uh, I believe it was a minivan. Maybe it was a minivan, SUV, don't recall, doesn't really matter. You know, across the street, and they knocked on his window, and you know, George Floyd opened the door and they said, okay, put your hands on the wheel. We need to talk to you. And George Floyd right away was acting, you could tell from the outset, was acting very erratically and was begging, saying, please, I, I don't want to get shot. I don't want to, don't, don't want to get arrested. And they said, well, you know, we're not going to arrest you. We just want to talk to you. And they told him to put his hands on the steering wheel and he wasn't complying. And then one of the officers drew his gun because he wasn't complying. And you can, you can find this body cam footage on YouTube if you like, but I had the opportunity to watch it. And, um, well, first of all, those who had their decisions already made up about this case, whether the officers used reasonable, um, uh, used reasonable force, but then took it too far when he was kneeling on the back of his neck. I mean, no one saw that footage of Derek Chauvin kneeling on the back of George Floyd's neck and said, that's okay, that's reasonable force. No one thought that. But there were plenty of people that were willing to wait it out, saying, look, I want to, there, there's other body cam footage that has to be released. There was one surveillance footage from the Cup Foods that showed George Floyd sitting against the wall while handcuffed, and then they picked him up, and then he walked toward the police vehicle, and then we saw what happened there. But it's like, what led up to that? And I think it's important context the body cam footage, because those who think the officers should go to jail for the rest of their lives, no one is, no one's going to change their mind on that, even after seeing this footage. But you have to take into consideration the legalese of this, the legal standard, because initially Derek Chauvin, the officer who was kneeling on the back of George Floyd's neck was charged with third degree murder and second degree manslaughter, which you know, Andrew McCarthy pointed out at National Review in early June that better fits the facts of the case while posing no risk of criminalizing the legitimate use of force by good cops. And there's also a, a distinction because initially the third-degree murder charge that was filed by uh, attorney, or Hennepin County Attorney Mike Freeman's office indicated that there was the complaint indicated that while George Floyd was resisting arrest, the officers, in attempting to control him, obviously took it a little too far and did not respond to his pleas that he couldn't breathe, and he ended up dying in police custody. Well, then the attorney general's office comes in, Keith Ellison, says, well, no, 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 that's not good enough. The only way that we can charge 
the other three officers with aiding and abetting is if we increase the charges on Officer Chauvin to second degree murder. Because there's apparently, and again, I'm not a legal beagle, but how it was explained to me is there was no uh, aiding and abetting possible for a third degree murder charge, but a second degree murder charge there is, so he upped the charges. And what was interesting about that is the part of the initial statement that said George Floyd resisted arrest was gone. And so what that is saying is that is criminalizing the officer's behavior the entire way, i.e. putting him down in the ground, uh, using a using uh, uh, some sort of force to subdue him, whatever else. Well, where the body cam footage is going to be problematic now for the prosecution is second-degree murder would imply that once they came across George Floyd and, and had interactions with him, that then the plan became to murder him, to kill him. First-degree murder would be premeditation, which is not possible because they never knew George Floyd before that. And that's why that kind of uh, very thin link was... They were Someone was trying to make a very thin link between Chauvin and Floyd, saying, well, the two worked off-duty as security guards at this particular nightclub, and they've crossed paths before. Someone was trying to get that going because then, oh, well, then it might look like first-degree murder. Well, from the when they arrested George Floyd, obviously he became very stressed out and under duress because he didn't want to be arrested, didn't want to go to jail. An autopsy re- report showed that he had an excessive amount of fentanyl in his system, which is consistent for someone not being able to breathe. So George Floyd, pretty much from when they first put the handcuffs on him, when he was pleading with the officers to basically show mercy on him, was saying from the outset, I can't breathe. Now, does that change things a little bit? Because when when the only video you see is George Floyd face down on the ground and the officer's knee on the back of his neck, he's saying, I can't breathe. People saying, well, the officer was kneeling on his neck so hard that he that he was cutting off his airway and he couldn't breathe. And, the, and, and I, I said this at the time. I said, how do you not respond to this man's plea for his life when he's saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe? Well, if you add the context of the body cam footage, he's saying that pretty much from the time they put the cuffs on him and from, all, from the time they're trying to get him in the car. That's another key distinction. They were trying to get him in the backseat of the squad car. And this was another question I asked. Why didn't they just put him in the squad car and wait for the emergency help to show up? Because they called paramedics, EMTs, when he was complaining about not being able to breathe and when there was something obviously very wrong with him. And as it turns out, he was on some pretty heavy drugs and they were trying to put him back in the, in the back of the car and he was, and he was resisting the whole way. And George Floyd's a big guy and he was resisting and trying to get loose. Please. I'm claustrophobic, claustrophobic. And of course he was sitting in his SUV in in an enclosed car. So of course they didn't take his pleas that he was claustrophobic very seriously. And so if you're wondering why Derek Chauvin had no emotion when George Floyd was screaming, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, it's because he was saying it pretty much from the time that he got out of his, his vehicle and they put the cuffs on him. Now, let me just clarify. I still, you can't tell me that kneeling on the back of someone's neck while they're already having trouble breathing, okay, and then them ultimately dying in police custody, right, you can't tell me that that's not a criminal act. It absolutely is. And Eric Chauvin, at the very least, needs to go to jail for that. But what this body cam footage is going to do is give extra uh, ammo to the defense, saying, well, the reason he was doing that and showing no emotion is because George Floyd was saying from the millisecond they got him out of his vehicle that he can't breathe. And the officers figured that this was just a tactic to try to maybe let their guard down, go easy on him. And you could see he was already resisting. He wouldn't even get in the back of the squad car. And the defense is going to make the case, had he just gotten the back of the squad car like the officers insisted he did, none of this would have happened. Hey, Brad, can I ask you a question? Go ahead. So now that with the body cam footage released, in your opinion, do you think now that these officers were charged too early? Uh, I don't, yeah. I Well, first of all, the initial charge of third-degree murder, you could make a, a legit case with this. With, with the body cam footage, that there was no intention to kill him. But you can't say, well, you know, he was already saying he can't breathe. He was already dying. He was already having a severe heart attack because of the elevated f- fentanyl levels in his system. 
and that's why he ended up dying. Well, no, uh, his knee, the officer's knee on the back of his neck certainly was a, uh, certainly helped that process along. I don't think you can argue that. But yeah, I think they charged her. Did they, if Keith Ellison saw that body cam footage, I don't know. I still don't know how he comes up with second degree murder, second degree murder charge. Uh, we'll come back and talk a little bit more about this this next segment. And take your phone calls, too, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-218-9520. 800-218-9520. That's 800-218-9520. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm Mick Anderson, General Manager of AM1280 The Patriot, and for years this great station has been fighting to keep the Twin Cities right. As we head into 2020, I would ask that you help us continue the fight by supporting our local sponsors who live, work, and play right here in the Twin Cities. Now here's a word from our friend Dennis Prager. I I appeal to you to fight. I fully recognize not everyone has a fighting nature, but everyone can help fighters. What's wrong is not to do either. And helping fighters is as good and noble as fighting. This station is a fighter. So there's a very simple way for you to help this station. And that is just patronize their sponsors. Those sponsors, they are making us possible. No sponsors, we're talking to ourselves. By supporting the local businesses you hear on this station, you help support us as we continue to keep the Twin Cities right. Welcome back. Sam Twelve and Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. This is me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning in. Here to take your phone call, 651-289-4488. If you'd like to weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. For any comments or questions. And speaking of phone calls, we do have one on the line. We have Bob from Shoreview calling in. Hey, Bob, you are on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Yeah, hi, Brad. Uh, when, you know, that video showed that George Floyd was being taken out, taken out of the driver's seat in the vehicle that he was in, which implies that he was driving the vehicle. So when people say that he was being arrested only for passing a fake $20 bill, that's not correct. That If he was operating a vehicle with several drugs in his system, including fentanyl, he was being arrested for driving under the influence. He could have killed somebody. 
Uh, I haven't heard that brought up at all. What do you think? Yeah, thanks, Bob. Um, I don't, and I don't. What I had heard about that is that he had these drugs in his vehicle, and he quick took them, in a sense, to get rid of them to hide the evidence. Because had they searched his vehicle, they would have they would have found them, and obviously he would have uh, been uh, brought up on more serious charges like possession, and so that he just took them to get rid of them. I don't know if that's true. This is something I heard, and maybe it might be irresponsible for me to perpetuate that rumor, but that's something I've heard. But to your point, Bob, yeah, if 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 they were already in his system and he was driving around under that condition, then yeah, that's that's a that's something that certainly could have been brought up, and the officers might have uh, might have been uh, looking into that. So um, yeah, it's an excellent point. Again, that's just something I heard that he took them to kind of hide the evidence, and that is why he had that reaction to it, and. Uh, as a result, it was tremendous stress on his heart and compounded with the stress of getting uh, arrested, plus the officer's knee on the back of his neck were all contributing factors. Does that rise to the level of second-degree murder? Um, those who are in the legal profession that are a lot smarter than me are skeptical at best. Mark from St. Louis Park is now calling in. Hey, Mark, you're on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go ahead. Brad, another great show. Thanks for taking my call. I just had to comment on your first segment. I had to laugh because politicians' ratings, they're always like in the single digits. It's just that's the reason to vote for Illinois' uh, opponent because he's not a politician. But anyhow, I just right. had to laugh when you were talking about that. But real quick about the new, the, uh, the, the new, the, the video, uh, Keith Ellison was quoted as saying it's his job to get a successful prosecution. No, your job is to seek justice, not withholding, I call it, exculpatory evidence. The whole theme was racist cop murdering a black man, and the protesters, they all had I can't breathe shirts and signs. Well, uh, the video shows he was saying he can't breathe the entire time before the the shot with Chauvin. So that completely took away the narrative. If they would have put that out earlier, it could have saved maybe a lot of buildings and a lot of lives. It was despicable. That's why he was hiding the video. But to, but to hide the video, he, look at all the damage it, it might have caused. And I'll hang up and listen to your comment. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Appreciate the call. I don't know if Keith Ellison actively was actively hiding the body cam footage. I don't know if that's true or not. But let, there's no denying that he is politicizing the AG's office, as many of us have said that he would if he got elected to that office, which he did. And he's politicizing it because people instantly wanted justice for all four police officers. And it's like, well, you know, we, we have to let the wheels of justice move. They may be slow, but it's the best system we have. And, and it was like, nope, there have been too many, too many black men that have been murdered at the hands of police and never got justice. Nope, we're not, we're not being patient this time. We, we demand justice. And to Mark's point, that's what you should demand. But part of demanding justice is taking in all the facts. And I did find Andrew McCarthy's piece from uh, was from June 4th. So this was a week and a half after George Floyd passed and around the time where Keith Ellison increased the charges from third-degree murder to second-degree murder. And again, I'll read an excerpt from Andy McCarthy's piece. The second-degree murder charge is now the main charge against all four officers. Essentially, the theory is that they committed a felony assault when they subdued a suspect who was resisting arrest. Well, if you watch the body cam footage, that's not true. They were trying to get him into the squad car, telling him to get in the squad car, and he was pushing back on that. So there was no felony assault. Uh, During the course of carrying out that quote-unquote crime, prosecutors allege Floyd's death resulted. Well, again, uh, you could... I think Derek Chauvin needs to be charged with something for his knee on the back of George Floyd's neck. While that's technically not prohibited by police department statute procedure, they recommend putting your knee and say in someone's back and keeping away from the neck for well, obvious reasons, right? But to say that that was the sole cause of George Floyd's death may not be accurate, but the fact that he kept his knee on his neck while George Floyd again, was saying he can't breathe, pleading for his life. That was a tough video to watch, but when you take it in with the whole context of the body cam footage, yeah, you better believe the defense is going to hit back with that. So while this point may be subtle, this is saliently different from the theory of third-degree murder, i.e. depraved indifference murder. In, this, in the latter, prosecutors would, would concede 
that it was lawful in principle for the police to subdue Floyd, but argue correctly that their manner of doing so was recklessly indifferent to human life, causing his death. Now, EMTs had already been called when George Floyd indicated, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. This was, again, like Mark said and I've been saying, once they put the cuffs on him after he got out of his vehicle and were trying to put him in the back of the squad car, he was saying that whole time he couldn't breathe. Okay? And so, again, the officers just thought, well, he's just saying this to try to cause us to put our guard down. But in actuality, he was having a medical episode, and they called EMTs. So instead of maybe trying to de-escalate or try to calm him down, they were trying to get him in the back of the squad car when he was resisting that, and then they threw him down, face down in the ground. Okay? That could be perceived as depraved indifference murder. Okay? But again, that's only rises to the level of third degree, as Annie McCarthy's talking here. But by contrast, the new felony murder count, i.e. second degree murder, spearheaded by Keith Ellison, the radical left state attorney general, puts police on notice that they can be charged with a crime, felony assault, for doing their job, which routinely involves physically restraining suspects who resist lawful commands. And that, that's, the whole, that's the whole issue right here. Is George Floyd was told, given several different commands, put your hands on the steering wheel, and they had to tell him multiple times. Then when they said, okay, put your hands on your head, they had to tell him to do that multiple times. And then when they finally got him out of the vehicle and in handcuffs... He was constantly resisting. He wouldn't get in the back of the squad car. And so when he wasn't obeying the police commands, they were trying to put him in the back of the squad car. Okay, they, were, they had to physically restrain him. But unfortunately, that led to his death. So that was the initial complaint put forth in the third-degree murder charge, in that, okay, yeah, George Floyd was resisting arrest, but that shouldn't have resulted in his death sentence. So therefore, that's why the Hennepin County attorney went with a third-degree murder. But Keith Ellison, trying to play politics with this, well, elevated to second-degree murder because the only way you're going to charge aiding and abetting by the other three officers is if you have a second-degree murder charge. And I don't see how you get, you get a conviction with that. And so what's going to happen if these officers are acquitted of second-degree murder? Is there a lesser charge? I, you know, I'm asking seriously because I don't know the procedure of this. Is it second degree? Is it all or nothing here? In this case, second degree murder or nothing? I, that's what I'm wondering. Because my concern is this is going to happen exactly the way the Trayvon Martin situation happened. George Zimmerman deserved to go to jail when Tray, because Trayvon Martin wound up dead. He was an unarmed black kid and he wound up dead and he shouldn't have been. So George Zimmerman should have been charged with something and sent to jail, but they charged second-degree murder, and right away people saying, not going to happen. And it didn't happen. And there were riots that ensued. Well, the riots that took place after that, the, the George Zimmerman trial, uh, those are going to pale in comparison, I'm afraid, to what happens if, if these four officers are let off of second-degree murder or, if, or acquitted, okay? Because there just there isn't the, enough evidence. Because at the end of the day, you're making a legal argument here. Someone deserves to go to jail because George Floyd is dead and he shouldn't have been. But go to jail for second-degree murder? Again, people who are much more smarter than me who work in the legal profession are saying, even before the body cam footage came out, said that's going to be a tough sell. And now with this body cam footage coming out and the defense coming out and saying, well, you know what? Here's the initial complaint, third-degree murder, where they conceded George Floyd was resisting arrest, but in the second-degree murder charge, they conveniently left that out. Why do you suppose that is? because there would have been some justification for physically restraining him. And there would have been a penalty to pay, but not a second-degree murder charge. And now the body cam footage is going to bear that out. See? He was resisting arrest. They were attempting to give him the squad car. Had he got in the squad car, can you argue he would have been alive today? So, yeah, I'm, I'm very nervous about what's going on because someone needs to go to jail for this because, as I've said several times now, George Floyd is dead and he shouldn't be. Someone needs to go to jail for it. But second-degree murder, wow. Yeah, that's that's good. from what I've seen and from what I understand about the law, that's going to be a tough sell. Um, tell you what, we're going to take an early break so I can finish up this hour with this uh, final segment. Uh, Joe Biden had a few uh, memorable quotes from this past week. Yeah, we're going to get to those. And we can also take your phone call, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. 
Hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with one final segment this hour. Go nowhere. I can't believe the news today. AM 1280, The Patriot. Look at all these options. You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation... Is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal, and families are getting out to shops, stores, and restaurants. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Business recovery plans should be ready to go right now. The marketing team at Salem Surround is ready to help. So you don't waste a minute or a dollar recapturing market share. We'll help design your recovery plan targeting potential customers with proven marketing strategies. With everything in our toolkit working for you. Digital, audio, mobile, even audience engaging contests and promotions. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital marketing plan. Learn more at surroundmsp.com. Surroundmsp.com. Connecting you with new customers. We can all agree that a good education benefits students, their family, and society as a whole. Education shapes your child into the person they will become. Join your local hosts, Rebecca Hagstrom and Mark Durkin, as they explore how to get the best education for your child while ensuring that the values you're teaching at home are being respected. From cursive to curriculum and everything in between, school is now in session. Education Nation, Saturdays at 6 p.m. on AM 1280, The Patriot. Hi, this is PJ from PJ's Appliance Outlet, your local, family-owned, and operated appliance store. No matter where you live in the Twin Cities, PJ's is worth the drive. We're centrally located in Plymouth. Just this past month, we've had satisfied customers from Maple Grove, St. Paul, Minneapolis, Eden Prairie, Bloomington, all over the Twin Cities. We take great pride in separating ourselves from those overpriced big box stores by simply providing over-the-top customer service, great quality products, and unbeatable prices. PJ's has quickly become the trusted go-to store for brand new scratch and dent appliances. You can save hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars on brand new warrantied name brand refrigerators, ovens, washers and dryers, dishwashers and freezers, top brands like LG, Frigidaire and much more. Come visit our showroom today and ask for PJ, Bob or Jake or visit our website at pjsapplianceoutlet.com. That's pjsapplianceoutlet.com where every deal is a steal. In an era of fake news and misleading headlines, turn to a leader in accurate reporting, townhall.com. Get caught up with today's top stories, find brilliant commentary from our columnists, and have a laugh with our political cartoons at townhall.com. On the West Coast, Just fine, thanks. AM 12, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. Final segment this hour. Well, don't have a lot of time, so we want to real quick get to these audio sound bites uh, from Joe Biden. This is cut number one. Joe Biden on with Errol, Bar- Errol Barnett of CBS News. Uh, President Trump recently took a cognitive test, and now he's challenging uh, Joe Biden to do the same because Joe has uh, not exactly uh, shown a lot of or shown a lot of confidence that he can um, convey some uh, rational statements. So this was Joe Biden when asked by Errol Burnett of CBS News. Uh, hey, Joe, you, uh, you going to take that cognitive test? Mr. Vice President, your opponent in this election, President Trump, has made your mental state a campaign topic. And when asked in June if you'd been tested um, for cognitive decline, you've responded that you're constantly tested in, in, in effect because you're in situations like this on the campaign trail. But please clarify specifically, have you taken a cognitive no i haven't taken the test why the hell would i take a test come on man that's like saying you before you got in this program if you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not what do you think huh are are you a junkie? what do you say to president trump who (laughs) brags about his test and makes your mental state an issue for voters so okay uh by the way Errol Burnett, he's a black man. So Joe Biden saying, come on, man, you take a test. You know, what are you, a junkie? 
How, how well do you think that would have gone over if a Republican of any stripe said that to a black man? What are you, junkie? Uh, and then uh, this is a 14-second clip. Cut number two, uh, Joe Biden comparing the African-American uh, community or talking about the uh, merits of the Latino community and makes an analogy to the African-American community that didn't come off real well. Cut number two, go. What you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. So the African-American community is monolithic. They're not at all diverse in thought or anything. And once that came out, Joe Biden uh, or somebody took to Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say it was someone on Biden's crisis management team that went to Biden's personal Twitter account and said, earlier today, I made some comments about diversity in the African-American and Latino communities that I want to clarify. In no way did I mean to suggest the African-American community is a monolith, not by identity, not on issues, not at all. Throughout my career, I've witnessed the diversity of thought, background, and sentiment within the African-American community. It's this diversity that makes our workplaces, communities, and country a better place. My commitment to you is this. I will always listen, I will never stop fighting for the African-American community, and I will never stop fighting for a more equitable future. Uh, whomever the person writing that on Joe Biden's personal Twitter account maybe forgot to convey that message to Joe Biden because he essentially doubled down on those comments. Uh, cut number three, Joe Biden at a completely different uh, meeting, speech, whatever, that he was giving online. It's about respect. It's about honor. It's about being able to look your kid in the eye and say, honey, it's going to be okay. That's what we're going to do. Dignity, honor, treating people with dignity. We can build a new administration that reflects the full diversity of our nation and the full diversity of Latino communities. Now, when I mean full diversity, unlike the African-American community and many other communities, you're from everywhere, from Europe, from the tip of South America all the way to our border in all, uh, Mexico and in, in the Caribbean. And different backgrounds, different, different ethnicities, but all Latinos. We're going to get a chance to do that if we win in November. And it means we need everyone to get out and vote. I can't do this without your help. So he, okay. Path to victory right in November. He doubled down on it after that tweet came out saying, well, you know, I, I, I really didn't mean that. He, he doubles down on it. And Ed Morrissey at Hot Air makes the, makes the argument or, you know, makes the point, I should say, you know, does Biden not know that Africans have diverse ethnicities too? Africa is not a country, but a continent with its own cultures and ethnicities. Even in the U.S. among African-Americans, the communities are diverse based on experiences, both personal and shared. Kamala Harris has a different background than Karen Bass, for instance, as Barack Obama did from John Lewis. That doesn't mean that commonalities don't exist, too, but it's absurdly ignorant to laud Latino diversity by comparing it to a mythical single origin point for black voters. Again, to do it twice suggests that Biden's making the Kinslaying gaffe of mistakenly revealing what he truly thinks about African Americans, which further calls into question who wrote the tweets after Biden's night-night time. It's just insane. Again, and he, he went out of his way to mention, you know, I understand you're wanting to uplift the Latino Hispanic communities, but then to go out of your way to make an analogy again to the black community, it just, that didn't make any sense. And now this is in light of Biden, his VP, apparently his VP candidates down to, uh, two two different women again he he made it he made it very clear from the outset that his running mate will be a woman and then as time has gone on he was heavily leaning toward a woman of, of color and then after amy klobuchar had basically no shot to be his running mate she dropped out of the veep stakes and said that it should be a woman of color so how awkward is that going to be when, when these comments come out and again 
I understand where he's was going with this because obviously Florida is a key swing state, and Florida is where you have obviously a large Hispanic Latino uh, constituency, and so he's trying to appeal to those voters. I get all that, but his problem is is that if Democrats get below the upper 80s percentile in terms of African-American voter support, that's big trouble. Hillary Clinton found that out the hard way because she didn't garner the 95, 96% uh, African-American support that Barack Obama had, okay? Because she dipped into the low 90s, I think maybe even upper 80s. It ended up costing her election because that support wasn't there in some of the key battleground states. Now, there's... There's probably not a lot of chance any African-American that's considering voting for Joe Biden, who've been staunch Democrats for a year, are going to switch over and vote for Trump. You know, Ed Morrissey makes his point, too. I I doubt that's going to happen. But the problem in 2016 that Hillary Clinton faced and Joe Biden could face this November is enough will stay home in the key battleground states that could cost him the election. So... I'm not going to defend the things Donald Trump has said. I mean, the, the Axios interview, I didn't get time to, to put that together, but you can go go look that up. The Axios interview that Donald Trump gave to uh, reporter Jonathan Swan earlier this, this week was an unmitigated disaster. It was some of the most cringeworthy viewing that you could ever partake in if that were an average citizen engaging in that but yet it's the president of the united states yeah brett i watched the whole thing it was just it was it it was unbelievable honestly i know i've seen so many different clips of trump saying a lot of different stuff but it was just it was just 20 minutes of like what is going on here because some of his answers man it's just they didn't even he didn't even answer plenty of the questions that uh jonathan had no, and, and, that, and that's the point. It's like it was a very it was a very fair interview, very thorough. Jonathan Swan didn't come off as condescending or confrontational. He was asking very tough, very fair questions. And the, uh, the president of the United States should be able to easily handle these and have a narrative at hand, but he didn't. And so my point in bringing that up is, you want to ding Trump for that and saying, "Well, that's not presidential." You know, that's all fine and good, but if you're supporting Joe Biden, um, I'm afraid you don't really have a uh a very moral case here uh if that's the if that if that's the biggest uh, question mark that you have about a uh, about a president if they can are able to convey statements uh in a coherent manner so oh what a disaster we don't have much of a choice that's for sure our number in the books our number two coming back in mere moments go nowhere Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit beefy, or even with type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Affordable term life insurance is out there. Call term provider and speak with Big Lou at 800-481-1458. 800-481-1458 or visit BigLou.com. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. You feel like there are more unanswered questions and few honest explanations as to why so many of our liberties are under attack? Find out how we can get back to a place of order and normalcy when you stream Morality in the 21st Century on Salem Now. Dennis Prager and Dr. Wayne Grudem confront the toughest social issues we face, and through never-before-told personal stories, you get a clear direction for a visionary future for this nation in this on-demand video special. Visit SalemNow.com to stream Morality in the 21st Century and type in the code MINNEAPOLIS for a 20% discount. Hi, it's Keith Hittner Sr. here. Tune in on Sundays at noon for your Real Estate Chalk Talk, where we study the science of buying and selling real estate and the art of living in your home. Get the solid real estate facts you need from Keith Hittner Sr. and Keith Hittner Jr. of Colwell Banker Burnett and their team of experts. Tune in to Real Estate Chalk Talk on AM 1280 The Patriot every Sunday at 12 noon. Brought to you by the Hittner Group, the number one Colwell Banker Group in the nation. Online at HittnerGroup.com. And tune in to Real Estate Chalk Talk every Sunday at 12 noon on AM 1280 The Patriot. Social Security is with you through life's journey. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there as you grow, protecting you and those you love. We are there when you get your first job, helping you to save for the future. We are there when you marry your sweetheart to help secure your new life together. We are there if the unexpected happens to help you see life from a new perspective. We are there when you start your next chapter to make sure you get off to a great start. 
and we are there when you lose your soulmate to help make sure you will be all right. We are with you through life's journey, social security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us and see what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. American pressure. How is your day going? I hope it's going great. But if your pressure washer is down on pressure, you've got a leaky hose or some other problem, we want to be the first people you call. Call us at 763-521-4442. That's 763-521-4442. We've got parts, equipment in stock, and we've got the knowledge to help you. AM 1280, The Patriot is...